Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 49ers Run and Hit Podcast, your destination to be in the know 24-7. I'm Annie Corey from 49ers 24-7, and I'm going to be joined in just a few moments here by a very special guest. we got Eric Crocker stopping by, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But before we get him in here, it's Bengals week. And guys, this is a good football team, 7-5, and five, and with the state the 49ers are in right now, it's it's a concerning matchup. You haven't had to worry about the Bengals in a long time, and this is looking to be a good one. There's a lot of history, a lot of Super Bowl history between these two teams for sure. The 49ers are banged up, we know that, and you're looking at heading in with no Debo again, no Emmanuel Mosley, likely no Elijah Mitchell, but... The Bengals aren't the healthiest team either. You know, their most notable injury being Joe Burrow with his pinky finger situation. He dislocated it last game. He's going to play, but it's going to definitely have an effect on the way he plays. And now we're going to get into this a lot more, but I don't want to waste any time bringing our guest in here. Today, I'm joined by former Jets defensive back. You probably hear him talking Niners on your Twitter feed daily. The one and only Eric Crocker, or on Twitter, at Eric underscore Crocker. Croc, thanks so much for stopping by, man. How's it going? How you been? Oh, it's good. It's good. Uh, it would be better if the 49ers get a win on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you there, man. Um, but it's a privilege to talk football with you. And yeah, let's get let's get right down to that. It's a painful loss for the 49ers this past week. We're probably all still recovering from it. And, you know, it's after a few games where it finally seemed like this team was on the rise and doing something special again. But you can always count on the Seahawks to bring them back down to earth. And I think that just looking at, at the season as a whole, it's been so sporadic and, you know, unpredictable. The whole league has been, which is, is really weird to watch. And here they are, week, week 14 of the season, and we still just have no clue what to expect from these guys. Um, Croc, does, does this team, as of right now, heading into Cincinnati, do they look like a playoff team to you? You know, I think that's a million-dollar question. And, and, and I would say no. I definitely think they have the guys to do it. I think they have the ability. I think they have, you know, all the players in the building that they need. But there's just a certain level of undiscipline with this team that I feel like is what makes them not a playoff team, right? Now, mm-hmm. on any given day, can they look like a playoff team? Of course. I mean, we've seen that plenty of times throughout the year. But we've also seen the other side of it right now. With them being so inconsistent, I think, you know, you'd have to say, no, right now they don't look like a playoff team because they're doing, you know, they're having, you know, multiple mistakes a game that non-playoff teams do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they haven't been the best at, like, bouncing back from losses. So this week is going to probably tell us a lot. And I think that, you know, before moving on from Seattle, there's a lot to take away from the defensive performance. And I think that Something that's really just frustrated me because it hasn't just been this season, it's been year after year, is that this team still just can't put up a great performance against a mobile quarterback. And, you know, you look at at the games they've played this season with guys who are big-time rushing threats, and you really only have two who are executing at such a high level as dual-threat guys. I would say Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. You know, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, they are mobile guys, but I don't think we've gotten like a, a full taste of what they can do just yet. But when they play a mobile quarterback who is so great at what he does, like a Russell or a Kyler, it just seems like we see a defense that's hesitant. And, you know, the linebackers and safeties, they kind of seem a little bit flat-footed. And, I I mean, I just want to hear what you think about that because it seems like the 49ers' defense against a pocket passer is just night and day from when they play a mobile guy. Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, that's a challenge for all teams, right? That's why a lot of teams want the the guy that can be a dual threat, 
uh, you know, passing quarterback because they can hurt you in so many different ways. And they, they put a lot of stress on a defense because you have to be more disciplined with how you rush, uh, you know, just them being able to, uh, you know, you can have great coverage on the back end, but then they can take off and run for, you know, eight yard first down or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So I think everybody looks at the 49ers and says, oh, man, like they struggle against uh, quarterbacks that are mobile. I would say maybe it looks more like a glaring weakness because 49ers see two of them, you know, every year with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. But throughout the league, it's a problem, right? Like, look at Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And he might be, like, an extreme version of a mobile quarterback. But he was league MVP. It wasn't just because, oh, I played against the 49ers, so I'm league MVP. He's terrorizing everybody in that same way. So I think, you know, the league has to figure out, like, man, how exactly are we going to defend these guys? Now, I will say – from the 49ers standpoint, I've seen them do a better job of it this year. I don't think it's been as backbreaking. I do remember, like, you know, one round against Russell Wilson in the first matchup where he took off down the sideline and scored a touchdown. Javon Kimlock tried to dive and get him. Yeah. But I'd say, I'd say for the most part this year, the 49ers have done much better with defending uh, mobile quarterbacks, at least giving up those backbreaking plays. I think it was Kyler Murray. He had, like, seven rushing yards against the night. Like, that's not what we typically see from a Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray quarterback. So they've done better but definitely still some room for improvement. Yeah, and I, um, I think that, I mean, usually initially those games when you're against the Seahawks or the Cardinals, I mean, they generally start out with a couple of, like, good a good drives where, you know, the defense is able to pull a three down because, you know, that pass rush is just um, is so dominant getting to them. Um, but it's it's so hard for this secondary to hold up, you know, through all four quarters. And going into Cincinnati, you've got Fred Warner back, but that's pretty much the only thing you've got, you know, really going for you. Um, I, I think I think this cornerback situation, I mean, it's just, it's just been so tough. And now you're looking at Josh Norman and Dante Johnson uh, up against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And the stats tell us that when Josh Norman's targeted, he has the third highest passer rating in the league, which isn't, isn't very encouraging. And I mean, do you think that there's anything they can do schematically to make up for this because you just know that Cincinnati is going to be out there looking for ways to expose these two guys. You know, man, it, it, uh, ma'am, it, it's the NFL, right? So, like, you know, regardless, it's going to be extremely difficult to guard guys when you're down to your, you know, cornerbacks that weren't in your plans of starting this year, right? When the 49ers went to the season, the goal was like, all right, we got Jason Verrett, we got Emmanuel Mosley. Okay, we're, we're solid here. We have two legit starting corners on the outside. And you know, obviously, Quan Williams starting in a nickel, right? And then you say, well, we spent draft capital on two more guys, Ambry Thomas, Diamondo, Lenore. So if need be, those would be the guys that have to, you know, they can come in and they can play. You don't want to have to get down to a, you know, Dante Johnson or a, uh, you know, Josh Norman who was on the streets at that time. So right now, it kind of is what it is. I think if the 49ers could do better than Josh Norman, they definitely would. But he's going to have the struggles in coverage. I think. Nobody should be surprised with how he plays. You know, being 34 years old, off the street, wasn't on the roster at all. I do say, I would say the benefit of having him, and I know people make jokes about this, but he does punch the ball out. So he affects the game in some sort of way. And not just like, oh, he has one or two forced fumbles. Like, he has seven forced fumbles and an interception. Like, that's big-time production. So the passer rating against him, not ideal. Uh, You know, him having to play, not ideal. But at least there's some sort of positive that he brings that where he could kind of change the game at any point, for better or for worse. No, yeah, because those turnovers are huge because, I mean, the 49ers haven't in the past couple of years been a team that's 
punching the ball like that and bringing Josh Norman. You know, he he has his moments in coverage, obviously, but, you know, when he punches that ball out, yeah, I mean, it does completely change the game and give the offense an opportunity, and it's gotten us back in in games at some points. But, um, I mean, like you brought up with the rookies, just, I mean, I'm feeling kind of frustrated with that just because, you know, you did draft two cornerbacks, and I know that Ambry Thomas has had his hiccups and you know obviously they just say he needs to be coached up more but you would feel like man um you know we're at this terrible point where it's Josh Norman and Dante Johnson and you would just think that these two guys that you drafted you know you drafted them so you wouldn't have to get to that point and it's the same thing with um the offensive line I mean you didn't want to have to get to a Tom Compton and you know you're like oh we we have Jalen Moore I don't know why we still have to have Tom Compton out there you know allowing safeties and just you know not playing well in in pass protection yeah you know you you want to see the rookies come along I think the tough thing is for the 49ers right now they're trying to find that balance between playing and developing rookies while also trying to push for a playoff spot where every win is so pivotal, right? You know, every game, like right now the 49ers are sitting at the seven, in the seventh seat. Kyle Shanahan right now is playing to get back on track and, you know, potentially win the Super Bowl, right? Like that's what his goals and aspirations are. His focus really isn't on developing some of these younger guys. So, you know, clearly we see that the quarterback position when it's with Trey Lance. Like Trey Lance is not Kyle Shanahan's focus right now. His focus is doing whatever he can to get uh, – Jimmy Garoppolo prepared enough to go out there and execute at a high level to win the game because he knows he can win games with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think his that thinking process that he's taking with Trey Lance, go you know that goes with all his rookies right now, where he's not really willing to to deal with the ups and downs of playing a rookie. Whereas let's say the Jets, the Jaguars, uh, you know, and maybe even the the, the Bears early on. They were looking at it like, man, if we don't have to go through these, you know, or that's it. The first two teams I mentioned, the Jets and the Jaguars, their situation was no matter what, we could play our rookies because we don't have high expectations. So we can have Trevor Lawrence out there. We can have Zach Wilson out there, and they can make their mistakes because it's not going to hurt the team. 49ers aren't in that situation. They want to win. Kyle wants to win. So he's not willing to go through rookie mistakes with his guys, and I think that's what we're seeing with a lot of our rookies not really playing. Yeah, yeah. And, no, it is hard to, to get that balance. I just think um, it's going to be so hard when you when next year rolls around because these guys – Okay. Um, I, I do have one, one more thing to say on that, mm-hmm. too. If, if Kyle felt like they were ready to play, then they would play. And that goes for Trey Lance as well. Mm-hmm. The tough thing with rookies is sometimes they just have to go through these ups and downs to be – to get to that, quote, unquote, oh, he's ready to play. So – that's the part that Kyle is struggling with. You know, how much does he want to let a rookie, you know, potentially go through some ups and downs? And it seems like he's against that right now. So that's why we don't see the Diamondo Lenore in there consistently. That's why we don't see the Ambry Thomas. That's why we want to see the Trey Lance. Because he, he's not – he understands what goes into playing rookies and ups and downs that may come. He's not willing to deal with that. If they were ready, then he would. But – most of the time, you know, and rookies aren't just 100% ready. Like he said about even Brandon Ayuk last year, who did well. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh, wide receiver one. But Kyle said if he would have had a healthier roster at the receiver position, Ayuk would not have been as much of a focal point because he didn't feel like he was ready. So that's just Kyle Shanahan's uh, train of thought and how he thinks about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And b- before we move on from the defense, I just want to get your input on this. It seems, from what I've watched, um, 
it just seems like the 49ers aren't getting a lot of safety help on those deep passes and those explosive plays. And the Bengals, I mean, they're big on explosive plays. Um, that's that's kind of how their offense is. And they play, the, the 49ers play a lot of single high safety. I mean, can you see them possibly playing too deep a lot more on Sunday? A lot of teams have done that against the Bengals, you know, just to kind of help out, help out the corners because it seems, it just looks to me like these safeties aren't consistently making an impact on breaking up passes um, and giving some help as much as you'd like to see them be doing um, in the open field? Yeah, so it's tough, right? Because ideally, if you want to help over the top, you play a two-high shell. And I will say, to the 49ers, like, defense, they do have, as far as passing yards against them per game, they're the number five team in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, they are. And they have limited big yards. Uh, I think they've only had one pass to go over 300 yards this year. So they've done well. I, I think, you know, at one time or another in games, like things are just going to happen because it's good on good. I think sometimes fans, they lose, they lose perspective of that. Now, clearly if something happening a little bit more to a Josh Norman than maybe someone else, yeah. But look at, let's say, Trevon Diggs, who everybody loves. He's given up the most yards this year, you know, of any cornerback. So things are going to happen. You can try to hide a guy and maybe play more too high shell. But at some point, you're going to have to go to some single high. And at that point, like that's when maybe the Bengals can try to take advantage of it. And you have to hope that the 49ers corners can hold up for that play. You're going to want to bring some blitzes. You're going to want to, uh, you know, do some things to kind of rush the quarterback or move him off of his spot. If you do that, typically that's going to come from playing more of a, 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 a single high defense. And that's going to leave your corners a little vulnerable on the outside. Now, how can you help? I think Josh Norman, you know, can help himself by press bailing out. Now, the tough thing is he's even been inconsistent with that. So uh, the play last game against uh, uh, D.K. Metcalf down the left sideline, you know, against Seahawks, where he press bailed out, but he misjudged it, and D.K. still ended up, you know, getting on top of him for a couple yards. But that's the best way to help yourself out for a single high, press bail out so you can stay on top of the receiver. But still, it seems like Norman is somewhat having an issue with that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the consistency is huge. Someone that, uh, I mean, I'm just kind of confused about with consistency-wise is Hugh Fonga. And, you know, he's been really great at sticking his nose in there, you know, getting involved on some plays. Obviously, he's a rookie. You know, he has his moments. He has his his learning moments. Um, And when the ball and the play is in front of him, we we see him be effective and tough and getting in there. But when the play's behind him, he's in space, he's got to make a decision – a lot of the times it's the opposite, and that's where you see him struggle. And he's got a ton of potential, but what do you see from him that, I mean, that can essentially be coached up? Okay, so Hufunga, you know, sometimes it's it's a matter of, I talk about this with guys, right? You know, what can you teach, what can't you teach from uh, guys coming out, right, when you're evaluating them, when you are evaluating them as draft prospects. So when you look at Hufunga, there are some things that you can't teach with him, but he also has something that you can't teach him, and it's his lack of speed. Mm. So he's just not a blazer. How he's going to have to work to figure out how to play around that is to just be better with his anticipation, you know, uh, just really be money and on point with his film study to where he's not in a vulnerable position against a receiver vertically down the field because his he has some limitations with his athletic ability, and I'm not sure what else he can do about that but he can still work to be the best version of himself. It's just, it just might take some time because it has to be a little bit more from a mental standpoint. And again, like some of the other guys, he's a rookie as well. So, I, you know, I think 
when, when you have Hufunga out there, you have to understand that there are certain things that just might happen to him because of who he is. But, you know, you have to hope that the other parts of his game, uh, you know, overcome whatever shortcomings he may have. Yeah. And I want to make sure to touch on this offense a little bit with you. I think one guy that we all just saw come back to life on Sunday was Kittle. He's had a, sem- a semi-healthy year besides that one little stretch where he was on IR. So he- he's been out there, but it just seems that when Debo's out there too, they're not they're not targeting George. They're not getting the ball in his hands. And we saw on Sunday how much we've missed that. But Debo's out right now, and you would think that Kittle will be drawing even more coverage, but the dude still goes out and picks up 181 yards. And it, ju- it just reminds you of why Kittle is who he is. I mean, why Why do you think we haven't seen Kittle out there as much? I mean, is it play calling, play design, where Jimmy feels most comfortable? I'm just why Kittle hasn't gotten as many targets this season? Uh, I think there's a little bit of two things going on there. Are one like Kyle does dial up things. Okay, so let's go back to the Vikings game, right? Where he had like one catch, I think two targets. So on the first play of the game, and you know people have posted out there on social media. If you're into that, you know if you watch that, I saw Kurt Warner do a breakdown of some of the game. You know for, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo against the Vikings, but on the first play, Jimmy did have a little bit of pressure. He had some pressure off the left side, but if you would have noticed pre-snap. You know, what was the read supposed to be? Now, again, I'm not a quarterback guy. I'm not some quarterback guru. I may be wrong, but listening to Kurt Warner, and just from my experience of what it looks like, it looks like the play was designed to go to the left, where you had Travis Benjamin in there on the first play. Well, why is Travis Benjamin in there? Are we really going to be throwing him the ball right now? Probably not. Maybe he's a decoy. Well, if he's a decoy, what's he doing? And if you watch him, he runs a clear-out route, where he just runs straight as fast as he can and kind of bends it up to take the corner back out of there, right? It would make the safety go back, and then you had George Kittle come underneath on a deep crossing route, wide open, nobody there. So you know, Jimmy didn't see it. He looked to the right. He threw it to where, who was there, uh, Debo Samuel. He had like four guys around him, ended up in being incomplete. There was some pressure off the left side, but if Jimmy, if that would have been his pre-snap read going to that spot with George Kittle, then he would have been able to hit him. He might have gotten hit while he threw the ball, but he would have got it to him. So there are different things I think that maybe Kyle is doing to get George Kittle more involved, but as we saw in the Seahawks game, he was a focal point of the offense. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that's not the case when you have both of those guys out there. We see it with teams like Kansas City Chiefs with, you know, they have Terry Kill, they have Travis Kelsey, and they both have games where they're extremely productive. 49ers, it seems like there's been one guy or the other. Now, also, 49ers maybe don't throw the ball as much, so that could be the case, but George Kittle is one of your best players. He he is the biggest mismatch that you have. And I definitely think there shouldn't be a game that goes by where he's not a focal point in the passing game and everybody play off of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, it's it seems exactly what you said, that one guy or the other kind of kind of concept every game, and you, you kind of wonder how they can get, a, get away from that. But we mentioned Jimmy, and I'll kind of leave you with this question. We know – we know full well by now that we're never going to know which Jimmy's going to show up on game day. There's good Jimmy, bad Jimmy, and you kind of just have to sit back and take it. But if Jimmy's having another off day in Cincinnati, and we know that this run game is probably going to struggle, not be as effective this game, because you're looking at probably Hasty and a banged-up Jeff Wilson out there, but do you feel like Shanahan should incorporate Trey Lance back into this offense just in any form, you know, for a short yardage player, just – just to bring some something unexpected to get some light to get some life back to this offense. 
I want to say I, I don't know why he hasn't done that. It seems like the obvious thing to do. Uh, now, he has said that, you know, he just kind of throws off his rhythm, trying to figure out how to game plan for two quarterbacks in one game. And if that's the case, I understand it. You know, you don't want to throw off your rhythm. You don't want to have to – oh, man, drop my phone. Uh, you don't want to have to figure out how to, uh, you know, you know, when do I fit in Trey Lance? You know, is it forced? You know, how do I do something different for him than Jimmy Garoppolo when I'm developing him to play in an offense that's similar to what I want from Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like, I think just him trying to balance what's in his head and how he sees the field and the game while incorporating Trey Lance in spot, I think he's having a tough time with that. Now, we've seen other co- uh, coaches do it and not have an issue with it, right? I mean, we saw it for years with Sean Payton doing it with Drew Brees and, and Taysom Hill. And that's not to say that you have to use Trey Lance as a runner. You can use him however you see fit. But just working to use kind of more of a – I don't even want to say a two-quarterback system because Drew Brees was in there probably 90% of the snap. You know, but there was you know, probably even more than that. But there were a few plays where it's like, okay, Taysom Hill, he can – do something different, and sometimes they threw the ball with Taysom Hill. I think that Kyle can work that aspect of it into his offense, and I think it will make the offense more dynamic. I think it will open up the run game, being able to utilize Trey Lance more. 49ers against Seahawks average 2.9 yards per carry. I think part of that is because Jimmy Garoppolo is there, and they, and they crowd the box, and if everything isn't blocked up perfect with the crowded block, it's hard to spring off those big runs. But, you know, re- regardless of that, you know, uh, Kyle is just having a tough time trying to balance it, too. So I think he just throws it completely away and doesn't use it. And the times he has used it, right, we look at the Lions game. And, again, we're talking about bringing in Trey Lance and spot duty. Well, his first play in, he threw a pass, and it was a touchdown, right, his first game. Yep. So it doesn't have to be a run. But when he's in there, what is everybody doing? They're looking at him. So then, you know, they're expecting him to run. And then what does he do? He raises up, he throws the ball. There have been other times where they brought him in. Look at right before halftime against the Packers. And he, and he just took the snap, ran in, quarterback sweep, scored a touchdown. Those things weren't planned at all by Kyle Shanahan, at all. He had no intentions on getting Trey Lance into the game. He has packages for him, so they're all ready to go if he feels like using it, but it's not part of the game plan. I do think that he should make more of a conscious effort to make it a part of the game plan, just to not just bring along his offense and make it, you know, expand on it more, but also just get a little bit more live reps. And it's not something that has to be – you know, 20 reps a game where you got to get Trey Lance in there, but even five reps a game just kind of helps him with the speed of the game and what he's seeing. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it it works well for you because you're giving defenses something extra to game plan for, and you're finding a way to just get Trey any game reps, game experience possible because he's he's the future. You know, no matter how Jimmy's doing, right. you've said that this guy's your future, and the draft picks that you gave, uh, they solidified that. Well, um right. Croc, it's been it's been so great getting you on here. Um, I really appreciate it. I, I know I know that you're such such a busy guy. And and just so everyone knows, it's at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. And uh, you're you're also doing a lot with Frontline Sports Media. That's at Frontline SM underscore. Y- you have a YouTube going for that as well, right? Yes. Yep. Got the YouTube Frontline Sports. I'm trying to create my own little network. So uh, Frontline Sports. I go on every morning at 6:30 a.m. Pacific, 9:30 a.m. Eastern time. And, you know, we talk football. I bring fans on. They talk. Uh, you know, the chat's going up. It's an awesome thing. So tune in. Frontline Sports got a couple other 49ers podcasts on there. My guys, uh, Jasper and Jamal, is Niners Talk with Jasper and Jamal. They come on every Wednesday. So, yeah, you guys want to join the live conversation? Uh, subscribe and hit that uh, link, that bell, that notification bell. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been watching. Uh, I watched Jasper and Jamal um 
that their first episode. It was good stuff. Um, I love what, what you guys are doing there. But thank, thanks so much again, Croc. Um, I hope you enjoy your weekend and have a good one. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Always great to have uh, Eric Crocker on here. He's just he's awesome. And yeah, um, a lot of good stuff. Um, I think it was interesting how he brought up Kyle Shanahan with, you know, how he feels about calling these plays for Trey Lance. Um, does it make him uncomfortable, you know, having to call plays for two quarterbacks? And honestly, I mean, that might be a little bit concerning. Um, Trey Lance is going to be your starter next year. At least that's that's the memo we've gotten. That's what we're expecting. And if he's going to be your starter next year, Kyle's going to be calling plays for this guy 24-7. So if it's a comfort thing about getting comfortable calling plays for him, you, you'd think he'd want to get a, get a jump on that. And so really just these rookies as a whole, I think that's something huge um, going into the rest of the season. You don't want to have all these guys go into the 2022 season with really no reps, no game time. Um, you're going to have your draft, your rookies come in next year. You know, are, are they going to get playing time? It's just something that you want to get these rookies some reps because it's going to be ugly at points. It, it definitely is. But you, um, the only way to improve from that, the only way to get better and get get those ugly plays out of there is by getting them on the field. So if it's me, I'm saying uh, get Tom Compton out of there, get Jalen Moore in there, you know, give Lenore some more playing time. Let's see what Ambry Thomas can do. But, you know, you also understand it from 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 the point of view that, yeah, you are a team with playoff aspirations and, you know, you got to be looking to win games any way possible. But I feel like in the long run, getting those rookies out there on the field is going to give you the brightest future and um, help develop those guys into the kind of players that you've hope you hope they could be when you drafted them. But yeah, guys, it's going to be a good one this week. Um, I- I'm pretty nervous about this one just because of where-, where we stand defensively, but it's going to be a big challenge. We're going to see how much this defense can really take, you know, how much they can bend before they break. Hopefully, um, hopefully Fred Warner coming back can can do a lot for the defensive side of the ball. But here's the thing. The guys that you aren't putting on the field, your Lenores, your Thomases, your um, Jalen Moores, your Trey Lances, they have a lot. They have so much growth in them. They're they're going to grow as players. They're going to grow all throughout their careers, but the guys that you're opting to put out over them, to put on the field over them, they're guys who don't have a lot of growth left with them. You know, um Dante Johnson's been with this team for how many years? You haven't seen that growth from him. Josh Norman, he's reaching the end of his career. Um there's not a lot of growth left in him. It's um, Tom Compton. Not a lot of growth left in him. Jimmy. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy's not going to improve from a mobility standpoint. He's not going to improve from an arm strength standpoint. There's just so many guys with the potential to grow that you're leaving on the sideline right now. And you, you got to foster that growth. You got to give them the chance to really um, unlock that potential. It's going to be a hard fought matchup. We're going to see if this team can bounce back, see what they can do, really make a playoff push. But for now, that's all we got. We're going to have to save the rest for Sunday. And uh, yeah, I can't thank you guys enough for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week on another 49ers Run and Hit podcast. See you guys later.